0: Father, speak your word now, we pray. Write it in our hearts that we may live for Jesus. Amen. When Israel sometimes fights against Gaza, well, sometimes it seems to be fighting there all the time, they have an expression that they use in instructing their soldiers about the mode of fighting. They call it Hannibal mode. Hannibal was a leader back in the Roman times and what it means is do not get taken alive. So if you are fighting the enemy in the enemy territory, do not get taken captive. It would be better, and this is how they teach their soldiers, to kill yourself rather than be taken alive. Because you would expect to be tortured. Uh, you would expect to, in the torture, maybe give away information. Do not be taken captive. Hannibal mode. Uh, the United States Army did the same when they were fighting in Iraq to get rid of Saddam Hussein. Don't get captured. That's Hannibal mode of warfare. Do not be taken as a captive. And that basically Surprisingly, but that basically is the message of Paul in the reading we just had from Colossians chapter 2. Do not be taken captive. He says in verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive, but not through guns. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. In this letter to the Colossians, Paul writes to a church he doesn't know. He's never been there, as far as we can tell. He didn't know most of the people personally. Somebody else had planted the church there, a man called Epaphras. But Paul writes to encourage them and strengthen them as a church. He tells them that he gives thanks in his prayers for them in chapter 1, and he prays for them in chapter 1, that they will know the will of God so that they lead lives fully pleasing to God. And then he goes on to remind them about the glorious supremacy of Jesus Christ, firstborn of all creation, firstborn over the Church. And in effect, what he does in that paragraph that's very famous is he explains to them what is the will of God, so that Jesus takes first place in everything. That's why Paul preaches, he goes on to say at the end of chapter 1. That's why he ministers, that's why he travelled through the ancient world, it's why he suffered, it's why he writes this letter, it's why he prays for this people. But they lead lives fully pleasing to God. That is where Jesus takes first place in everything. But it's also clear that he's writing to a church where there are some people coming into the church perhaps, Who are trying to undermine the teaching of the gospel of Jesus. And that's why he says, do not be taken captive through philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions. Now we don't know the detail of what these false teachers were speaking, but that doesn't matter, because in effect Paul's words apply whatever the false teachers were speaking. That is, Put Jesus first in everything. In tonight's passage, there are actually three commands. Uh, All of them are negative. And the first one is this one in verse 8. Do not be taken captive. When he says see to it, in my translation, uh, what what he literally says is be careful. Be careful. Take care. Whenever we're told to be careful, it's because there is a real danger around us. Now, outside this church uh, building, there is not a sign, not a sign, that says, beware of crocodiles. Now, crocodiles are dangerous. Yeah, you're knocking, you know they're dangerous. So isn't it bad that this church does not warn us about crocodiles at the door? They're very dangerous animals. Of course, the reason why there's no warning there is there are no crocodiles in this area. But if you go up to Darwin, there's probably signs that say beware of crocodiles. So whenever you get a a warning in the Bible, like beware, be careful, take care not to be taken captive, it's because the danger is real. It is somehow easy to be taken captive. We need to be on guard, on alert, be careful, watch ourselves that we're not taken captive through a philosophy or an empty deceit a human tradition, different ways of understanding religion and understanding life. False teaching is serious because it's teaching that leads us somehow away from Jesus Christ the Lord. Paul had said in verse 6 at the beginning of tonight's reading, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in the thanksgiving. Jesus deserves first place because He's first in everything, in creation and in the church. And these Christians, fairly new Christians probably were in real danger of somehow losing the supremacy of Jesus and drifting, being taken captive by some other message or philosophy or human tradition. So Paul is anxious to remind them that Jesus is Lord over all. Jesus is first in everything. It's a very helpful thing to remember There are lots of false religions, heresies, other philosophies of how to live. And some of them sometimes sound quite nice. You know, there are things in different philosophies or religions that might sound good or noble. But if Jesus is not first, then in the end they're wrong. I remember a friend telling me many years ago, when somebody might knock at his door from a different religious group Jehovah's Witness or Mormon or something like that and they want to tell him about their religion my friend would say what can you offer that Jesus has not already done or given me? very good question to ask you see you can't get better than the gospel of Jesus he's first in everything And every philosophy or heresy brings Jesus down, maybe a lot or maybe a little. But if we bring Jesus down even a little, we have distorted him as Lord. Either that he's not who he said he was, fully human, fully divine, or that his death on the cross was not totally and absolutely sufficient for our salvation. Jesus taking first place in everything. So this letter is to urge the Colossians to put Jesus first, in everything and in anything. It's a good message for us to think tonight, the life of any church. It's very easy sometimes to put good things first, but not Jesus. But the hope of the church, and our hope, is Jesus. And Jesus is to be in first place. So as we think about the nature of our church, the activity of our church, the priorities of our church, put Jesus first place in everything. Paul says to them, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, And you have come to fullness in him. You may not think that your Christian life seems full yet. Paul is saying here is a remarkable statement. Jesus is fully divine, and we have come to fullness in Him. It cannot be better. We cannot find a greater experience of God other than by being in Jesus Christ, the Lord. How have they come to him? How do Christians have fullness in Jesus? What he said goes on to say, in Jesus you also were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision. Now that's a little bit complicated for us to think about. It goes back into the Old Testament roots of understanding what circumcision was. But in essence what he's saying is that Jesus has changed our hearts. We are spiritually circumcised. Our hearts are cut open to respond to God by God himself, not by our effort. When did this occur? By putting off the body of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. This is a Something we don't think about much. But when we think of Good Friday and Jesus dying on the cross, we look at Jesus and think, well, there is Him and here am I. What Paul's saying here is that as Jesus died, we in Him, we died in Him. When He was buried in the grave on Good Friday late afternoon, we were buried with Him. And when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Day, we rose with him. And in chapter 3 of Colossians, Paul will say, Look to heaven, for that's where your life is hidden, in Christ who's ascended to heaven. What Paul is saying is that if we are Christians, we are in Jesus. We are so identified in him. He is the Lord of everything. And we have fullness of God through being in him. That's amazing, I right? think. We have died in Him, buried in Him, and raised with Him. Some years ago I remember a baptism in what was then my church on Easter Day. A young man, about 21 years old probably, and uh, had come from mainland China, and I baptised him in our church, and uh, we had a a pond of water in our church that we could fully baptise. I remember the next week I asked him, uh, Shippon, how did you find last week your baptism? And he said to me, when you pushed me under the water, I felt like I was dying. But when I came up out of the water, I felt like a new person. And that's sort of what Paul's saying here. That we died in Christ, buried with him, but we have risen to new life in Jesus There's nothing better than that. He explains it in a different way in the next verses. In 13 he says, When you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Jesus when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. I remember many years ago my computer crashed. everything on my computer was lost and I didn't have a backup. I felt very, very discouraged. The computer was empty. Absolutely wiped clean. Could not restore anything, according to the shop. Well, that's what Paul's, the language or the image that he's using here. We were made alive when our sins were forgiven, when they were the record was erased, wiped clean, like a computer crash. You've lost all your records. Well, our sins have been, the record of them lost, erased, obliterated, taken away because of Jesus dying on the cross for us. That's totally sufficient salvation. It's not that Jesus does something and we have to do something else this is ours by faith, it's God's work. And that's why you cannot get better than the Gospel of Jesus. There's no better salvation than this. It's all wiped away, all the legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross, so that as Jesus hung on the cross, nailed on the cross, our sins are nailed there and therefore forgiven there. Salvation is real. Not only that, but Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them. Referring here to evil powers, to Satan and the devil, all defeated by Jesus on the cross. Jesus taking first place in everything. There is no better gospel. There is nothing better than this lordship of Jesus over creation and salvation. So do not be taken captive by any other philosophy or empty deceit or human tradition or rules and regulations. That's what Paul is saying here. You've received Jesus as Lord. Stay in him. Continue in him. Don't deviate from that. Don't be taken captive by anything else. I think it's an appropriate message for Korea tonight and for us as a church. Not because I sense that there are lots of bad teachers coming into this church, but because every now and again we need to remind ourselves of the glories of the gospel of Jesus. We need to remind ourselves to put Jesus first. Our hope as a church is not a new minister, but is Jesus. And that's what Paul is encouraging these people to realise. Don't be taken captive by anything else. The other two negative commands, I said there were three, they're, they're much briefer near the end of tonight's reading. In verse 16, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food or drink or festivals, moon, Sabbaths. Maybe some of these false teachers wanted them to become Jewish and have Jewish rules. And it's very easy for us as Christians to have lots of rules and regulations. That unless we kneel or stand or dress appropriately or eat the right food or whatever it might be, then somehow we're not really there as a Christian. All of us, I think, are tempted to have those sorts of rules, unless you read your Bible every day, unless you pray every morning and every night, unless you go to church every week, unless you take communion every week. But these rules and regulations are actually not at the heart of the gospel. There are be a shadow of what is to come. The substance belongs to Christ, he says in verse 17. What Paul is saying here is that any rule or regulation that does not have Jesus first is really a human rule, a human regulation, which might be good, but it should not condemn us if we do not keep those rules or regulations. The command is, do not let anyone condemn you in these matters. And related to that, the third command in verse 18, do not let anyone disqualify you insisting on self-abasement or worship of angels or visions. Here the idea is of some super-spiritual experience, that if you deny yourself, that's what self-abasement means, that is, deny yourself by rules of fasts or denying yourself pleasure, or maybe boasting about a spiritual vision, or something else, that you're saying, well, I'm better than you. My spirituality is more important than yours. Do not let anyone disqualify you, he says in verse 18. That is, Jesus is first. And that is all we need. Rules and regulations and spiritual experiences can be good, but they're not the heart of it. They're not number one. Jesus is number one. Do not be taken captive, do not be condemned, do not be disqualified by others. This is Hannibal mode Christianity, not to be taken captive to something other than Jesus first. It's an encouragement to us, an encouragement to us because Jesus is all we need. It's an encouragement to us because our salvation and standing with God depends on Jesus and not in the end on us or our church. It's an encouragement to us because we realise that we are all equally in Christ, saved. That those who are ordained or senior or older or those who have spiritual experiences or something like that, they're no better, no more highly exalted than anyone else we're all equally fully saved by the glorious gospel of Jesus who died for us. So don't be taken captive. Don't be condemned and don't be disqualified. And for my brother Corinne as you start your ministry tonight and for all of you as you receive his ministry over the next years ahead, put Jesus first in everything. (coughs) Don't be taken captive to something else. Don't be condemned by others for human rules and regulations. And don't be disqualified if someone claims to have better experiences than you. Jesus first. He's all we made. Amen. And let's sing amazing Grace.